copyrighted program created by the Rio Grande Oil Company. Houston Police calling all cars, engine all cars. Engine all Puma County Sheriff cars, broadcast 111. Be on the lookout for Model V Ford Roadster. License V like Victor 625. V like Victor 625. We believe to have been used as getaway car in the murder of Frank Zell. That's all. Border also brings in the federal authorities on the border patrol, 
who've always worked close to the rest. You can readily see that with city, county, and federal law enforcement agencies working in such a tightly interlocking system, the lawbreaker in Tucson is being quickly convinced that he can't get away with it. The state penitentiary of Florence has quite a few steady bodies who have learned from Sarah Belton and me that crime doesn't pay. Minutes after the two ranchers had placed their call, Sheriff Walter W. Bailey of Pima County 
accompanied by Deputy Sheriff Johnson and Glenn Hunter, are speaking out of Tucson for the scene of the crime. Meantime, Anderson and Buffett return to the rain sodden course on the Bottle Leader's trail and make some interesting finds. When the sheriff arrives, there's the body, Jeff. No, it is. Yes, yeah, Jeff. No, I'm afraid, Jeff. Got a home set up on the trail here next to mine. Mm. And the folks? No, he's all alone. Some people around here come in the home. We've been looking around while we was waiting for you, Jeff, and we found some stuff. What? These two fire bullet stations, for one thing. Hmm. Thirty-two twenty. And the size of the wound in his neck and neck, that's what he was killed with. Where did you find this? Over yonder, under that milk seat. Mm-hmm. Looks like broken glass on the way there. Did y'all have a car? Yes, you did, sir. An old model T. How far is it from here to his home, sir? About two and a half miles. Have you ever walked in the ground? Oh, all sick and sharp. And whoever murdered him must have stolen his car. I can see the faint marks here where it's turned around. The rain's washed them out too much to tell what kind of a tread was on the tire. Here's what milk he found, Jeff. A carton of broken eggs, Frank's bill hole, and a pair of old tan shoes. Can't be the victim, sir. They're too small. Now, why were they thrown away? Might not have anything to do with these two. I found them down in the woods. Well, they might remember them the map. I'll file them away anyhow. There's no doubt about it, Joe was ambushed. But, sir, where do you suppose anybody had heard a murder of Frank? That's one of the many things we'll have to find out. And then she'd build and make it look like robbery. But you don't have to murder a man, bootwhack him for his money. Well, possibly revenge was a motive. Did Joe have any enemies in all, Mr. Anderson? Well, I mean, I'm He's a quiet, peaceable fellow. Minded his own business and kept his nose out of other folks. We all got a lot of him out this way, though none of us knew him very well. Well, we'll have to check back on him. Glenn? Yes, sir. We'll go along with Mr. Anderson here up to Rail's house. Go over the place, Sarah Lynn, and see what you can do that. Yes. Johnson and I will go down to Katara and see what we can find out there about him. Meet you back at headquarters as soon as you get through. Yes, sir. Come on, Mr. Anderson. Mr. Johnson. Everyone was set up trusting the first thing that the murder victim was a law-abiding citizen. And no one knows of any grudge against him. The sheriff has returned to headquarters and Deputy Hunter arrived. Well, Glenn, did you find any guns out there, Joe Sack? No, no guns. Lots of books around the place, though, on public speaking, willpower, physical culture, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and I found this scrapbook. Tells a lot about the guy. See? Uh, he was a clip in the body when he was fighting under the name of Jack Kelly. Mm. According to this, Jack Kearns was his manager. Mm. And then over here is an enlistment paper from the Army. It dawned up in 1917 with the 33rd Field Artillery. You can see it, yes. He served several hitches, and every discharge is marked honorable or excellent. Yes, that's all very well, but I'm interested in guns. You say you didn't find any guns? No. There's supposed to be three guns in that cabin. I went over the place from top to bottom, and I didn't find a single one. I found a shotgun rammer and some ammunition for a twenty-two. Yes, according to Zell's neighbor, he owned a thirty-two twenty carbine, and that's the type of gun he was killed with. 
I believe, since he found no gun for Dell's cabin, that he was murdered with his own gun by someone who had stolen it from the shack during his absence. Why were they in the desert? Why not kill him at home? That's uh, me. The killer probably wanted to be sure to escape detection. And he certainly did a good job of that for the rain to help him. Probably over to the coast or down in Mexico by now. Maybe he just is trying to make his getaway. Maybe he's still right here in Tucson. I ain't got it. Wouldn't hurt to ask Chief Dyer to give us some help on the city, Angus. Mm, okay, I'm willing to try anything. I'll call him right away. Assistant of Chief Judge E. Dyer of the Tucson Police Department. Within 15 minutes, the Chief has collected his department head and is issuing orders. Boys, the sheriff has asked our cooperation on his own murder. He sees that the killer is different. I can't agree with him. I've got a suspicion he's right here in town. I want you to have your men cover the city for Joe's car, which was stolen at the time he was murdered. The car was seen coming toward town last night with a dark looking fellow driver. It was a Model 2 Oldster. License number V625. Now get out and pick it up. Okay, Dennis Ford. Wait a minute, I got a special job. Okay. Dennis, I've got a theory on this case. Yes? Yes. The first case, I think our man is right here in town. Also, I'm sure that he stole all three of Zell's guns. The 3220 that murdered Zell, a 12-gauge shotgun, and a 22 rifle. Now, sooner or later, he's going to get low on funds that he isn't already in. Well, and then he'll try and sell guns, is that it? Exactly. Now, I want you to check all the pawn shops and the second-hand stores and inform the dealers to notify us if any of these guns are offered for sale. Yes, sir. I'll go down and go out of way. And while Detective Ford begins the job of checking the pawn shops, Squads of officers came to town for the missing murder car. Early on the morning of August 7, 36 hours after the murder, officers Charles Eaton and Walker Hyde are cruising down West Simpson Street in the police car as we approach the intersection of Mission Street. Hey, Charlie, there's a model to your old drift. Where? Standing by that old brick hill. Oh, yeah. I see it. Better pull up. Well, come on. This will be the seventh old week he's kept over since he come on duty. Yeah. Not much use looking at this one. It's been burned up. Been set on fire, you mean. Huh? What do you mean? Smell that gasoline? Yeah. All around the car. Somebody doused that car with gas and then set fire to it. I wonder why. That's why. What? The license plate. V625. You can still make out the numbers even if the paint is burned away. That's the car that Franzel was killed in. By you're right, Walker. Look, they stripped it before they burned it. But they forgot to remove the plate and the windshield broken. Yeah, that chance of getting drunk, though. The thing's been blistered. All the upholstery and woodwork burned. Well, we're plucking a crowd of interested bystanders. Maybe they know something about this. Yeah, let's ask this old Mexican woman. Uh, you live around here, lady? Mm-hmm. You live over there, across the street. Whose car is it? Mm-hmm. Who set fire to it? Mm-hmm. Did you see it burning? 
No. Uh, she's not going to be any help. I'll try old Uncle Tom here. Hey, Pop. Whose car is this? Oh. Looks like it was burned, don't it? It sure does. When was it burned? Oh. How long has it been there? Oh, here they are, man. I think they do it. About six o'clock in the morning. I didn't want to talk. You didn't? He did it. Loud and nice. Who did it? Dave Barrett. Uh, two men. One is black, one is white. Sure, it wasn't a Mexican? Oh, no, Senor. No, Mexican, but not more, if that kid telling the truth, this doesn't make any sense at all. Well, we better get what's left of the car into headquarters and let Mark Robbins go over it for identification. But Mark Robbins, famed identification expert of the Tucson Police Department, can find no fingerprints or blood traces on the badly burned automobile. And meanwhile, Detective Dallas Ford, making his weary round of the pawn shops and second-hand stores, Drops into a little shop on West Broadway. Hello, Herman. Yeah, hello, Billy. Thanks for policing you, man. Oh, it's all right, Herman. How's the money lending racket? Oh, terrible. I can make a living when everyone wants to borrow money and nobody wants to pay it off. And nobody comes in to buy merchandise. I'm telling you, Billy, the country's in bad shape. Yeah, so I've heard. Yeah, I couldn't send you some nice first grade merchandise to it, I don't know. No, buy my information. I don't want to buy that. What is it you want to know? Anybody throws you any guns lately? No, I ain't bought a gun for a few weeks. And if anyone comes in and tries to sell you a gun, you let me know. Thanks for sell a gun. Hey, Taylor. There, there's a fellow in the appointment to sell me a gun. Yes? When was this? Just his name. Hello, who was it? A Mexican girl. What kind of a gun? I don't know. He didn't have it with him. Just said he said. What caliber? 32 surrenders. 32 quarters? So that's the size rifle I'm looking for. Well, I can't be good leaning in the gun. You know, he must be crazy. I don't find that gun by looking at the shell. Did he say the back? No, he said he'd bring the gun around, but he made me want. You know, sometimes they never come back. Well, now listen, Herman. I want you to let me know if he comes back. You know, I'll do that. Now, now, you call me at headquarters and install the bird so we can get over there. We want to talk to him. Yeah, sure. I'd be glad to if I can. Well, you've got to. He's an over like stone. Any way you can. Bargain with him. Keep him arguing. He won't be long just here. Within three hours, the excited farm shopkeeper calls headquarters and informs him of the same Mexicans in store. The Petri Ford is not at headquarters, so Captain C.C. Wilbank and Officer Philip Diaz-Cuba, jumping into a police car, Arrive at the pawn shop five minutes after the call. I tell you, I can't give you more than two thousand fifty dollars. Senor, consider it is very valuable. It is worth much more. To my own grandmother, I could not give you more than two thousand fifty cents. Oh, hello, Evans. Yes, yes, Captain. Yeah, I had a pretty hard time. Is this your man? And I'm trying to tell you about. What's your name? My man. Why? Who are you? Police officer. Oh, police. Yes. What's your name? My name is Florentino Ruiz. Where are you from? Phoenix. Is the fellow who wanted to sell you the rifle, Herman? He's already seen, man. I guess we'll have to place you under arrest, Mr. Ruiz. I have done nothing. Why could you place me under arrest? They want to ask you some questions about that rifle you've got for sale. <laughs> 
Target headquarters, Valentino Ruiz, Mexican, is questioned by Chief Dyer and Detective Cromer. There is some mistake, senor. The senor at the pawn shop is mistaken. I said nothing about a rifle. I was trying to find a value of the watch. Where did you get the watch? It belongs to a friend of mine. I am poor, but the high amount I've done nothing. You have the watch with you? See. Let me see it. Here you are. Hmm. Belongs to a friend of yours, huh? See. With heavy shoes you wear, right? See. Pretty large for you, aren't they? See. Where'd you get them? I, I bought them, especially. My feet, they're sore. I like shoes large. I see. Now, how about that gun? What gun? A gun you tried to pawn. Well, there was a mistake. I did not try to pawn a gun. They just drop over to your face on the corner street and take a look around. Captain Will Banks is sent to search for his room. Now, within half an hour, enthusiastically brings the gun into the office of identification expert, Mark Robbins. Well, here's the gun that shot Joe, Mark. How do you know? It's a 3220 Winchester, and I found it in Louis' room. That's circumstantial evidence. Yeah, I know it, but I know, too, that I can count on you to make it material evidence. Well, we'll see. Let's have the gun. Hmm. Oh, model, isn't it? Yeah. Set up the press box, will you, Nick? Sure, sir. got to be the murder weapon. They'll own the 3220. You can start with one. We inside the farm one, and we found this one in his room. Oh, really, sir? Okay. We'll see soon enough. Now, just load this baby up. Now, we'll shoot a few rounds into the test box. Now, we'll have a look at these shells. Come on over here to the comparison microscope, Bill Banks. All right. Now, we'll place the shell found at the scene of the crime under one side of the microscope, and we'll place one of the shells we just fired under the other side. There. Now, just a moment until I line them up. There, Wilbanks. Take a look and tell me what you think. The two shells have identical firing pin marks. They also have identical scars on the side from the breech block. The Louis killed Frank Bell. I don't know whether Louis did, but I'm prepared to testify that this gun did. <laughs> possession of a gun, denies burning Bell's automobile, denies killing Bell, explains the blood stains his face as rabbit blood, but Chief Dyer remains unimpressed by Rue's iconic untruthment. Then the detectives running down clue after clue. Finally, on August 8th, three days after the death of Frank Bell, Valentino Ruiz is formally charged with his murder. On Wednesday, August 12th, he is given a short preliminary hearing. By his own request, the laconic Mexican acts as his own attorney. One by one, the witnesses damn him by their testimony. A young Mexican roommate of Ruiz testified. Valentino seemed very handsome, but last week he came home wearing deep black no, no, he's not a gun before that night. I've got the and guns on the man I know. I've not forgotten that. Another friend of Ruiz testifies, Florentino and me, 
We worked three days last summer keeping well for the Americano. I do not know Americano as well. These panties which were found at the scene of the crime, I sold them to the defender. I remember because I stretched them to accommodate a bunion on his right foot. You're wrong. You never told these to me. There are many times through the right leg. These are the two floors you were wearing before other nights. There are many shoes like that. I remember it very My mark was on the inside of the tree. I got it for a crime. I have to all those black shoes and let you go. A man said I'm coming. The gun we found in your room is the gun that murdered Zell. Why the love you, Bob? You murdered Zell. No. I'm careful. You murdered Zell. No, no. No, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. My brother made it feel that they know. But the testimony in the preliminary trial is sufficient to hold me or superior court without bail. He is sent back to his cell, left completely alone. But the solitude is not unpeopled. For two days, thoughts tumble through his brain, awake or sleeping, voices whisper into the ear. You should come home, Jordan. Black Sheep. Black Sheep. Yes, I have to limp on Mr. Zell. Mr. Zell. Well done. We found it in your room. The gun you used to murder. 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 You done. But he tried to sell me. Tried to pawn the gun. A gun. A gun. Thank you. 
Meeting coming back on the road. I shoot him. I touch his car. His money. My shoes cross. I touch his shoes. He died quick. There was much blood. Much blood. Good night for the Rio Grande Oil Company. <laughs> 